BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Hello, everyone. It's Cameron. I am still currently in Florida while I'm recording this, and I am joined by Coastally in LA with John Emerald, who is a chiropractor that works with energy. And I have found you through Goop Lab, which I actually just rewatched today because I watched it when it came out and I was obsessed with your episode. And I'm like, okay, I need to get this guy on the podcast. I need to work. I'm dying for the day that I can get to LA and actually like get on your table. Um, but I just rewatched it today because I wanted to make sure I had all the same emotions I had the second I watched it the first time. So welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here with you. I'm very happy to have you. Um, to kick things off, how would you define success? Well, you know, I think that's evolved for me over, over years. For sure, I had, a, I had a practice for decades. I've, you know, worked with, you know, now A-list celebrities, uh, mm-hmm. some of the top, you know, entrepreneurs, athletes, professional athletes, um, you know, just just artists and et cetera in the world. And so like um, my, my definition of success has definitely morphed and changed as I've evolved. But truthfully, I, I feel now that, that success is, is a, is a combination of, of uh, being um, in sync with in your life, something that you, you truly love and you're, and you're passionate about and that contributes to other people that fills you and overflows to others and has a ripple effect um, in the world as you go about, you know, whether you're doing something, mm-hmm. um, as a physical activity, or you're just sitting in meditation or just sitting with your family at home, that your way of being and who you've developed into is, um, is an experience inside that feels amazing to you. Of course, not every moment, but, um, but that you are, you are, in ownership of your personal power, you feel connected to yourself and to the universe, to so the infinite in some way you feel guided. And, um, and what you're doing in the world is benefiting people in some way, shape or form. I think that to me is, is, is a kind of long definition, but. No, I love it. And that's honestly why I like asking because everyone has such a different definition. And it's very interesting to see how they intertwine with their actual work. And for instance, what you just said, um, You know, you're talking about how the ripple effect is what stood out to me Mm -hmm. because 
I, so we can get into this and I'm going to link the Goop Lab episode for people to get a visual of the work you do just so they can understand like what we're even talking about. But it's very interesting because the ripple that you mentioned in your form of success also happens in our bodies when you're doing the work. Would you agree? Absolutely. The, the, uh, the ripple effect, you know, is, is, uh, actually can go back all the way to, um, you know, to the, to the subatomic level. If you go into like quantum physics and you, and you recognize that, you know, below the, you know, the, the level of the physical, you know, elements that we can measure or see, there is a, a whole nother like quantum world happening where things are wave. They're like wave particle duality. So everything that seems solid is actually these ripples of potentiality. It, nothing is actually solid. And, and so the, the ripple effect literally on a, on a physiological level and on a quantum level, um, on a universal level, is this, like, this interaction that we have as our consciousness interacts with the field of all possibility. And as we zero in on something and focus on it or measure what appears to be a solid reality. So when I'm working with someone on the table, I'm all a body. And so when I approach and start to work with them, their body starts to go into a wave-like motion. There's a lot of mechanisms physically, physiologically, et cetera, and energetically going on. But in a way, it's like a suspension of this um, illusion that we're this being, that our body is solid, that the physical ground that we're standing on is solid, that everything is solid. And the truth is it's not. It's all, these, it's all kind of a wave pattern. Mm-hmm. And so when we recognize that we can interact with that sort of field of energy and information all around and within us, and we can create ripples in the fabric of it. Um, it's very empowering because we realize that, wow, there are people. Um, and it doesn't have to be here, right? It doesn't have to be right in proximity to us. It could be on the other side of the world. That's For some reason, sorry. something called the butterfly. Am I, is, is, is there yeah, it's going in and out. I don't know why. I just want to stop you before we get too far in. It's going like seriously, like slowing down delayed. Am I delayed for you? Okay. Are you seeing a visual? Hey, no. Are, are you still, are you getting a visual delay or just an audit, auditory? Both. Delay? The auditory is like, it's like long elongated, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Has that been yeah. happening? It hasn't, but it like the two people that I was on uh, Instagram lives yesterday, they were both completely like broken up because the bandwidth and like everyone's on these lives and Zooms yeah. and stuff. So if you want, um, I mean, obviously you'll probably, I don't know if you'll, will you edit? Yeah, I'll edit this, especially just because of the length. So I'm just mm-hmm. gonna, I'm closing out like every other app I have. Okay. To make sure that my computer is like not being drained, but it's let me so- let me stop recording. I, I started recording on this end just to because it gave me the option, but I'll stop. Right. Maybe that had something to do with it. No, too. but I need that to record. Sorry. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
what's going. Okay. So we can pick back up. It's interesting because it goes and it happened to me with another guest too, but like we're fine in the beginning. And then when we actually mm-hmm. get into conversation, that's of course when it happens. Well, let's but see, let's see how say. we do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I'm, I'll just work with you. This is, we have, Thank you. this is, this is just where, where we're at right now. With exactly. It's all everything. Like, um, like everyone, everyone's online. I know. Um, so I've been really interested in your work, especially because growing up, I was with, I worked with a energy healer for, I want to say it's been since 2001, almost 20 years. My family's worked with a healer and it was something that I was always very responsive to. And I, I mean, like I swear by on my life for certain things that she's healed me of. And when I went to play lacrosse in college, I would have these injuries and my trainers would like try to help me and try to work on them. And it got to a point where I was like, I just need to go home. If I can see my healer, she will fix this. <laughs> like I know it. And they finally kind of started to see like when I would go home on my own time and come back, they started to believe it. And so eventually I was getting like excused to be let to go home and have my healer work on me versus the actual like, college trainers, which was an eye-opening experience, I think, for them. Um, but one of my trainers actually started doing a little bit of energetic work when she studied MFR. So for people who don't know, myofascial release. And it kind of looks a little bit, I, it's not necessarily what you are doing, correct? No, no, but it's something right. that, but you know, the, similar-ish. The fa- the, yeah, the fascia is something that, you know, is, is involved in what I'm doing, but I'm definitely doing something different. Right. So for me, I've seen even the benefits of that and energy healing work. And so in combination, like when I watch the Scoop Lab episode and the people are kind of like moving their bodies around mm-hmm. and it looks as if they're having almost like an exorcism. I, t- I totally have been in that place and I watched it with my sister who also has done this work her basically entire life. And she's like, oh my God, I would do anything right now to have someone work mm. on me because especially right now, how wound up we are and everything that's going on, it would be incredibly healing. But can you explain the process to people listening who have never had any of this work done to them and kind of from a very basic level, mm-hmm. I guess, explain what the work that you're doing is and how it's making those movements on mm-hmm. someone's body. Yeah. So there are, there are a number of levels to it, mm-hmm. um, but I'll, I'll break it down. So on, on one level, the physical level, when your body is under stress, whether it's a physical injury or an emotional stress that you're going through or some kind of chemical toxicity that triggers your body into a reaction, the body goes into what's called fight or flight. I mean, we, we know this term, but mm-hmm. we fight, flight, or freeze. And that's, that's just our reaction or, re- or our reaction to protect ourselves when, when we're under threat, whether it's real or perceived, right? So this, the same response happens. When you do that, when your body reacts, um, there is, a, uh, there is a, a significant change in your physiology where your blood flow starts going to your uh, away from your organs. It goes into your muscles and your tendons and different parts of your brain get activated. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially the, the more emotional brain, the limbic system, which is your, your like survival mode. So we, 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 we start to contract and we start to prepare. We start to build up energy as a way to get ready to protect ourselves and inside the spinal cord which is the extension of your brain going all the way down through your spine. 
the the whole cord itself can where all the nerves that go to all the different parts of your body they get under tension as part of that fight or flight response so the whole thing tightens the shoulders go up around your ears you know the head yeah. comes forward the, the the back arches well what's happening inside your spine is a stretching or an elongation of the spinal cord itself which it can stretch a couple inches or so in an adult which is significant and think about a a bungee cord or a rubber band that you would stretch. Mm -hmm. um, and when you put, when you stretch it, it, it creates an increased tension. And that increased tension has an increased vibration. Just like if you were to tighten a guitar string and pluck the string, it would have a, the tighter you, you know, tighten it, the, the higher the frequency of, of, um, of the sound that's generated. Well, in our bodies, when we're in that fight or flight state, as the spinal cord is stretched and the, tone of the tissues, um, the vibration of the tissues is increased, it gets transmitted through the nervous system to all the different cells of the body and your whole resonance or vibrational state changes literally, not just like, oh, we're going to a different vibration, just metaphorically woo-woo. Mm -hmm. It's a physiological and a physical shift. So part of what happens when you see movement um, and, and, and a, a wave-like movement on the Goop Labs you know, uh, episode, for example, is that energy is being released from the tendons, from the muscles, from the um, spinal column, from the um, soft tissues in the fascia and around the organs and through the whole body. And as that energy is released, that was held as part of that fight or flight response, it dissipates through movement, through sound, through heat, through physical detox. There's a bunch of ways that the body will release that energy. And because the spine is shaped like a wave, actually, if you think about the curve of your neck mm -hmm. is opposite the curve of your mid back is opposite the curve of your low back, opposite the curve of your tailbone, it goes like a wave. And so that wave movement is really the, the body regulating and releasing energy and returning to a more fluid state, which we're designed to be in. Unfortunately, most people don't. Um, they sit in a chair on a computer yeah. most of the day and they just kind of are sedentary. So they, they, they lose that sense of that fluid nature. But that's part, on one level, that's on the physical level, that's, that's the release and the movement and like a waveform is because the body's discharging a bunch of energy that was built up as a protective survival, like shielding kind of armory. Mm -hmm. On another level, um, you'll see that I'm not touching the people. If you watch right. that episode, you'll see that I'm not actually physically touching them, and then the body's responding, even that I'm maybe I'm three, four feet off the body or so. That is because our sensory system picks up input in the field around us. It's it's a you know it's not like we live in a vacuum where we're not interconnected with all the molecules and the and the fabric of the universe around us. So when you interact with somebody, if you go to you know, if you if you're on a subway and, and you feel or a, a, a whatever you're walking in a mall or something, you can feel somebody is looking at you, and you just turn and yep, they were staring yeah, at you. You know, like, like you can feel when someone's staring at you. And that sense of being stared at was actually researched by a man named Rupert Sheldrake, and Sheldrake um, um, really coined the terminology morphic, morphic fields or morphogenetic fields, which has to do with. Um, organizing fields of energy and information that help shape our physical reality. And so we have these fields around our body that they're not just emanating from our body. Our body in a way is kind of a resultant of what's happening in those fields, almost as if you took a, a, a magnet and held it over pieces of metal and the metal would start moving around into different shapes. The field of the magnet organizes that shape. Well, the fields of the body of our, of our being organize how our body holds things. So, 
you can influence what's happening in somebody's physical body by just influencing the field around them. And so that can initiate the body to go, oh, I feel more relaxed. This is like if someone, you know, approaches you and acknowledges you from a distance, your eyes meet and you're like, okay, I'm safe. And you you let down. Mm -hmm. They don't have to physically touch you. Or if, you know, you're driving and you see lights flashing from a, a cop car and you're like, oh no, is it me? And you go into like fight or flight because you're, you're and then they pass you and you're like, oh, you know, you have this whole thing yeah. that happens without even anything touching you. But what's touching you is energy from photons of light hitting the retina of your eye or uh, vibration in the form of sound hitting the tympanic membrane of your ear. Um, like your body's processing this information that's in the field around you in, in electromagnetic frequencies, light, um, you know, subtle shifts and changes in the kind of the, the, the input and your system picks that up and then it decides what it wants to do with that, whether that's a traumatic force or whether that's a, um, a, a healing force that all has to do with how our system like processes that input. And so I'm, I'm looking to find the most appropriate input from whatever distance off the body, this person's sensory system like opens up and goes, Oh, you found me. Ah, oh, this feels good. And then I want to help focus your awareness into the part of your body or the part of your energy field that is like free and flowing and open and relaxed, which initiates a, a kind of a, a ripple effect when you, yeah. it's like throwing, it's like dropping a pebble into a pond and it's like, it just, it spreads out, it expands. And so that's what you also see happening is I like don't touch the, a lot of times I don't touch the physical body, mm -hmm. but the physical body has this whole response because it started responding to what that input way before I ever, you know, physically touched the person. It's so interesting to hear you use those analogies that everyone's used to, for instance, like the cop car, that's a very obvious one of like the tense and then the relax. And mm -hmm. same with the idea of the energy field of knowing someone's staring at you. And it's interesting because for me, like two experiences I have that have been very evidenced by this is, you know, the energy work that I've done with my healer, one time I punctured my eardrum in a lacrosse game and I couldn't hear anything. And it was a week and I just had like no sense of any, I went to an ear doctor and they were like, you have a puncture. There's nothing really we can do. You just have to let it heal. And she was working over my ear. And at one point I go into a very meditative state, which I'm sure a lot of your patients feel as well. Um, I just let out this insane scream. Like I've never yelled that loud. I don't think in my life. And all of a sudden I came out of my state and I could hear. And it was such an interesting experience for me. And that was the most like raw evidence of immediate physical reaction that I've had. Um, and then also, you know, I say this all the time for my listeners who are familiar with my story. I suffered from a pretty bad concussion. I was hit by a car um, two years ago now. And I was seeing a lot of, I was working with a craniosacral um, therapist and the idea of like the, fluid in my brain, like still on a movement from getting hit and hitting my head on both sides. And with his work and my healer's work, like that was the only thing that helped at all really with my concussion migraines. And so I believe in all of this and I struggle sometimes, I think, to explain it to people who haven't been on a table. And so those analogies are very helpful in like the real world explanations you just gave because everyone's experienced that feeling. I think, you know, I think that you know, the way you described is when you yelled so, so intensely yeah. when she was working over your ear, 
Um, what, what may help people understand why that would initiate that kind of reaction? Like, why would you spontaneously just scream out when someone's not even touching your body? Well, when you get into um, how symptoms really show up and how pain signals and feedback and stuff happens in, and just how the nervous system processes information, you, you start to learn that like, um, like really any kind of uh, uh, pain is really the body's feedback that's saying, hey, pay attention here. Something needs to shift or change. Yeah. It's energy actually that's bound up or built up in that area. And there could be, you know, that, that if you have a, like, you know, and you've cut your hand off or something, like mm-hmm. you're going to have pain, which is saying like, hey, look here, change the behavior, stop the bleeding, put a tourniquet on, get to the hospital, whatever. So that, but you might have pain that, that's like your brain and body doesn't know how to maybe process that information and that energy and energy can hold like it can bind up like literally in parts of the body so you can have what's essentially like if you had a wave of everything travels in waves so energy travels in in waves through the body um light travels in waves sound travels in waves all waves when you have energy traveling through your body and it can't for some reason we can't deal with that intensity we like let's say that your ear like um you know a lot of people with tinnitus or with like head injuries i think they have energies all bound up in your cranial bones maybe in a maybe you had a tear or a rupture in the mm-hmm. membrane the tympanic membrane maybe there was just acute trauma where it's it just got so traumatized your brain couldn't process what was going on and you can have like a it's like if you take that wave that would be traveling through a distance and you compress it into a very small space and don't let it move anymore, it becomes what's called a standing wave. It would be like if there was an earthquake and the seismic wave was traveling through, you know, like through the earth and it got to a place where it was going through sand then it was going through clay, then it got to granite. And like at that place where it was granite, the density is greater and the wave can't travel with the same Mm -hmm. um, flow. So the, 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 um, the wavelength actually gets compressed and it, and the vibration gets changes into a different, different intensity. And so we do that in our bodies with areas of density, places where we're not able to release that energy. It's like holding energy that's now compressed into a small region. So when you, when she started to work there and you're somehow your brain recognized that that was energy bound up, not just some physical thing, but energy held. Mm-hmm your brain and body was able to coordinate a response to liberate that energy. And sound is a huge, huge dissipation of energy because the emotional system works on sound. So when we have an emotional expression, it happens through movement and sound. And so like it helps, I think for, because sometimes people, they can't, they, they don't understand like he's not touching the body or you're getting an energy worker, something you described. Why would you scream? Why would sound come out? Why would the body move? Because that's your emotional system discharging energy that your brain finally could recognize and go, I don't need this anymore. And it lets it go. Yeah. And I'm so curious because I think right now we, and we've touched a little bit on it, explaining it to people who haven't been on the table, but also just trying to really make it clear that this does work. And I get, obviously, there are going to be critics of anything that that anyone's doing. Um, But how did you, you said you were a chiropractor, how did you get into this type of work instead of very stereotypical chiropractic Mm -hmm. work? Yeah, yeah. I I started as a chiropractor um, thinking that I would go into just working with athletes and doing Mm -hmm. more, you know, physical uh, work. My wife is the one that introduced me to a more, a more um, kind of out 
what what appeared to be out there to me woo woo yeah. for for me just like probably what most people would think and I was like what is this you know and I actually went to chiropractic college never having even been to a chiropractor I was like a fine artist and all these things <laughs> happened so I ended up I ended up in chiropractic college never even had it a chiropractic adjustment or or wow. any kind of healing work um, and so. My wife, her father was a medical doctor and her mom was a nurse. And she had this really profound experience with working with a chiropractor who was working more energetically. And it really, nothing was working medically and it really, really helped her. Um, and she was like, this is, this is so amazing. I want to do this. And so she went to chiropractic college. I met her in chiropractic and she exposed me to this whole other side of it, which most people don't really know the history of chiropractic, mm-hmm. but the man who developed it was, was a, he was more of a, a vibrational healer. He, he, he had a, a very kind of esoteric um, um, philosophy that was about uniting the inner consciousness that what he called the innate wisdom of the body with the, in, the universal wisdom or universal intelligence, he called it. So he said, you have an innate intelligence and a universal intelligence is organized everything and it's getting the, educated mind out of the way and connecting that channel. So it was a very, and I didn't know any of this about chiropractic. So that, that was like, wow, that really makes a lot of sense. That's really interesting, but it still seemed very woo woo. And then I started to receive this kind of like energetic chiropractic approach. And I had all these symptoms like asthma and allergies and eczema and all this stuff going on for my whole life. I was on injections because I would be so reactive to the environment. I was on asthma inhalers. I had cortisone creams and the whole, the whole nine yards. And through this work, I started releasing energy and I started feeling emotions. I started connecting to my inner world. I started to feel, wow, there's more going on than actually just on the physical level here. And, And as I started waking up and being able to feel what I was feeling, express what I was feeling, say things I had never said, take different actions, kind of unhook from the identity of who I thought I was, all this stuff started releasing as my body was releasing and all the symptoms went away. So all my asthma and eczema and allergies and stuff all cleared as a result of making all these changes in my awareness and shifting my energy. So I was like, okay, this works, you know, it's yeah. weird, but it works. And so then I just went on the path of studying and, and working with, you know, different teachers and mentors and guides and, and um, studying the science and going all around the world and working with different you know, practitioners and going to India multiple times, going to South America, you know, taking every course that I could find. And then over 20, almost 30 years now, it, it just, a whole system evolved. And do you feel, and I, what you just mentioned with the concrete evidence, I know I've given my examples, but this is why my family ended up continuing with our healer. It started because of, it was right after 9-11 and we lost our closest family friend and this woman kind of came into our lives on a total accident. She was helping a friend and she looked at my mom and was like, I can help you. My mom's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. She's like, no, I can actually help you. And my mom had had, she still had psoriasis, but it was so bad. She wouldn't wear any short sleeve shirts or tank tops or shorts, or she was so self-conscious. And after a year or so, like it was practically gone and she had tried every medicine under the book. And so that's what, really got my dad to believe in it because it was such concrete mm. evidence that allowed us to continue working with this healer. But I'm always curious because 
I have a belief that there are certain people that just have this power. And maybe I'm naive. I don't know. But do you think that the work you're doing, I know you've done immense amount of training, obviously, to bring this within you and be able to practice it. But do you also think at some level, it's a gift that you were in a sense, like that you have a gift that not everyone could potentially do after all of this training? Or do you think it's something that everyone, if they put in the time that you did, could learn how to do? I think it's a combination. Certainly anyone who puts the time and focus and energy into this has capabilities and gifts in, in, the, in, in um, feeling and sensing and, and knowing things beyond the physical realm, right? Like we all have intuitive gifts. We all have different types of genius. I know that there are people that were you know, chiropractic colleagues of mine that were, you know, one of them was like, uh, went to, they went to Juilliard, you know, originally it was an incredible musician. And then, and then, um, had this amazing, interestingly, this particular woman uh, with this musical gift had very severe psoriasis and it it healed. She healed through working with this, uh, Mm -hmm. this energy practitioner. And, um, and she was like, I need to do this. Like, so she still loved music and played music, but like she developed and she would hear and sense things uh, like audibly when she would work with people because you're processing like how we process the information in the energy field has to come through our five senses somehow. And so, but there are like, you know, we talk about a sixth sense and a knowing or like, how do you know things? How do you, um, tune into things like what, what is your sort of unique gift in the way you process and everybody has those. And so truthfully, if you wanted to, anyone who wanted to put their focus and energy into learning how to like work with people and, and, and be a practitioner or a, a therapist or, or like help people in, in this way has, has um, the capacity. Most, almost everyone has the capacity. It's just, it's going to manifest in different ways. And for me, I just always, I, I think my, my, who I am as a being, my knowing myself at a very deep level, all my own sort of practices and the places yeah. I've gone in my own, in my own journey, my commitment to like developing myself and, um, you know, learning, learning more, constantly wanting to improve, um, checking myself and, and before I wreck myself, you know, like ego wise yeah. and stuff, right. All of that, like that gives me, another whole level of of depth that I bring to the table so everybody will have an impact and everybody has the capability to have an impact in working with people and and being a quote-unquote healer I guess you could say but um I never had that objective I just want I wanted to help people but I never saw I, I always thought uh, went back to the original like chiropractic you know premise that was like the, like the power that made the body will heal the body and you just got to get like out of the way and help the person get their mind and their bodies synchronized and integrated in a way or get their mind out of the way so that innately they can just know and I feel like we, we all know on some level and it's getting out of our own way with that part of our mind that judges and assesses and, and tries to figure things out and allow uh, the part of us that knows to guide us mm-hmm. uh, and something bigger than us to guide us. And then what happens is um, what we're supposed to be doing in the world really just sort of unfolds. And I feel like all that came together for me where I was, I certainly didn't like consciously choose to even go to go into like a healing profession. I mm-hmm. told it, just all these synchronicities happened that just led me there. 
And then I, um, I just kind of followed what was interesting to me and just things would reveal and reveal and reveal themselves. So I don't think we, I think that's maybe a long answer to the question, but I feel no, like, I we, like it. we just, we just keep, um, kind of looking for that, that intersection where, uh, natural gifts and capabilities that we have, like my ability to connect with people and have rapport with people, my, my, uh, my own journey, my own insights and, and experiences within myself, uh, my ability to track things and, and have a certain outcome that I want to hit and, you know, and hold that outcome for someone, but at the same time, not be attached um, and not take it personally. Like I have to be a hero. Or I have to try to save them or something. It's like just, trusting that there's something bigger guiding all of this, all of these things as they come together creates this opportunity for, for really magic to happen. And I, I see myself as, as, as um, living right at that intersection. It's like the Venn diagram of where, what you're passionate about and what you're, you know, gifted with and then what yeah. can serve and help other people all kind of come together. Um, I also think in a sense similar to what you said of, you know, you're following maybe your purpose and it's led you to this place. I feel that way about certain aspects of my life where I never in a million years, I had a totally different career before I started doing this. This was never in my game plan at all. And I think when you figure out what your passion is, you let go of your ego. You don't let it control you, which is what was keeping me in my corporate job. Then you start to do more of what your purpose is, and then you get to a place that you're in where maybe it's not necessarily a gift you have that has allowed you to do this, but it's just the work you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I, I think that you know there's a calling, and it, and 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 that's something beyond our current you know understanding and and sense of self, and that pulls us like it pulls yeah. us some future potential of us pulls us to to. Um, to step into who we can be. And it's like a constantly more of a falling away of or a releasing of the illusion that this is who I am, this is who I'm supposed to be. And living not in a selfish way, but but truly allowing yourself to 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 uh, express things that maybe you wouldn't have because you're concerned about what other people think. Starting to uh, allow yourself to say no to things or say yes to things that that in the past you would have you would have overanalyzed. Yeah. And just if it feels right intuitively, somehow you know, whether you sense it, see it, see a vision of it, feel it, hear it, whatever it is that is your way of processing. Because, you know, the, the work of, um, of people like um, some, some people may have, may have read, this was a popular book that was really popular in the, in the 90s and, and it's been republished many times all over the world. It's called Power Versus Force by David Hawkins. And he talks about um, the counterbalancing that a person at a high level of consciousness does in the world. So when you're living your, you know, in a way your truth, you're more connected, you're more integrated as a human and you're more consciously aware that your presence just on the planet actually counterbalances people that are at a, at a lower level. And he, he says that he has a zero to 1000 scale and at zero, it's like zero consciousness. When you, when you hit about 200 on his scale, um, that's courage and it's the courage to be your, like to start just to even start to not be a victim of circumstances in life. Mm-hmm. And he says that about 85% of the world is below 200 and about 15%, right. About 15% counterbalances the consciousness of the collective, like l- l- kind of lower people more in victim states. And, 
and, and anger and shame and, and fear. And, and that, and we're, I think we're feeling that a lot right now at this time, like that, that there's a, it's not a, it's not a, Oh, I'm at a higher consciousness. You know, that would be, that's not, this isn't a hierarchical thing. It's just more, okay. a more integrated, more conscious, aware person can, can hold a different energy field. And he, he says that like a person that would be at like 600 or above would be like a, a, a realized being basically that there's only like a handful of people on the planet that are even at that. And like, as you approach like a thousand, you get to like, you know, Christ consciousness or Buddha consciousness. Right. Mm-hmm. But even at 600, he said that one person resonating at that frequency would counterbalance um, 70 million people at like the 200 or below. That's so wild. Like, right. And if that's anywhere near, and, and it's, it's kind of reflected in the work of Claire Graves, who created something called Spiral Dynamics, which is another model of consciousness that looks at like where are people in their consciousness. And Graves said that it's somewhere around there too. About 80% of the world is like, at this lower level and there's only a handful a fraction of people that are really vibrating at this higher frequency. But that higher frequency is like, you know, that a very small change in an interconnected system can have a very, very massive effect and impact. And that's, what's always inspired me. It's kind of what we talked about in the beginning with mm-hmm. the ripple effect, because it's the butterfly flaps its wings, you know, in Japan and changes the weather in, you know, the Gulf of Mexico and, and contributes yeah. to a hurricane or a, or a tornado or whatever, like that when we're resonating at a higher, you know, energetic kind of imprint or frequency that it, we impact the field around us. And that has, has massive consequences for in a way counterbalancing and, and helping lift the whole you know world up. So, to me, like the work isn't ever with an individual. Like I'm not just working with that one person on the table. I'm seeing that person as kind of an, an entry point to the whole universe. <laughs> it's um, so interesting. And also through that, you're connecting and reaching so many people because looking at that effect, not only are you touching that one client's life, but then the thousands of people that they're then impacting as well. Exactly. And I think that that, you know, for me, that's a, that's whatever your, your activity is in the world, whatever you're doing, like what, whatever, you know, whether you're planning events, which right now is like a pretty challenging time for that, but, yes. or whether you're, you know, you're working in, in the, you know, you're, you're working as a, as a stockbroker or you're doing, um, you know, you're an athlete or whatever it is you're doing, like it's the way you energetically show up to participate with, with um, the universe itself, the way you observe and how you show up, what your energy level is and how aware and connected you are ripples out. And we get inspired by, I mean, look at Muhammad Ali or someone like Mm -hmm. we got inspired. The whole, the whole entire world was impacted or affected. And this guy was like boxing and punching people. Right. But it was the way (laughs) he showed up for it. Um, It it had a huge uh, resonance or impact. And so it doesn't really, I think matter so much what, what, exactly we're doing it's 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 our consciousness and our energy as we approach it and that has the huge the huge impact i absolutely agree and i even feel i feel the same way with you know work that i'm doing i can host say one event and i show up and my truest self and really excited and ready to be there and ready to engage and i leave that event and i feel so like uplifted in a sense and I feel like I've so deeply connected with people and there have been times where I've gone into other events where 
you know, maybe something happened in my personal life right before and I just feel a little off. And even just the emotion of leaving those two places and the ripple effect that I've had on people there and simultaneously they've had on me is so different and eye-opening that it's really my purpose and how I feel of like making sure I'm putting in my personal work so that I can show up every day to do what I'm doing to then hopefully help others. That's such a good point. I think we, we, anyone who's, who's achieved any kind of, you know, just some moderate level even of of success where you, you really know when you're in the zone, you know, when you're in a high Mm -hmm. state, when you're in an attracting state, it's a, it's a, um, in, in physics, they call it a strange attractor, which is like the fact that like your the the sort of organizing field of energy actually attracts into that field certain patterns and certain responses. So you you, sh- you know when you show up in this but you know you're just like in yourself. You're in the zone. You yep. feel comfortable in yourself. You feel like you're emanating energy out of you. It's not like you don't feel like you're you're um, draining or sucking energy. Mm-hmm. It's a contribution, and 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 like all these things show up. People show up. These opportunities show up, and it's like wow, this is how it's supposed to be. And then like you said, there's other times where you're just off, you know, and athletes know it. They're just off that day and they just, something yeah. is just not, not in sync. And, and it just, it doesn't come together. Like things, they're missing the past. They're, they're, they're just like, mm-hmm. they're like the injuries happen when you're out of sync. And so, um, uh, Mihai Chizent Mihai is pretty well, is, he was the fa- like the, you know, the father of the, of the just, flow that the, the conversation about flow he was a mm-hmm. you know a researcher and and you know we athletes know when they're in the zone and they know when they're in flow Absolutely. and pe- people know it too right you know you're in flow yeah. everything is i call it in in the, in the body biologically it's coherence it's 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 a smooth um state where the heart and the brain are in sync with each other what's called entrained they're in a synchronous rhythm with each other your respiratory rhythm, your heart rhythm, your brain waves, they all sync up into this smooth flow state. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's one of the things that I seek to help people achieve or to get to be able to access and sustain on their own, um, partly through the work I do on the table, but partly through practices and, and, and um, guided processes and stuff that they can do on their own that allows you to get in sync with that inner flow state. Because when it's, when it's, synchronized within you it shows up in the world around you exactly yes. like you've just just talked about when it's working it works and i've never really correlated it with my athletic experience but if i think back to college games there were days you know i'm still the exact same athlete i have the exact same training i have the same skills there were a game call it on wednesday where i show up and i just know i step out onto that field and i'm like ready to freaking go i'm having an incredible game, like I'm on. And then that Saturday, three days or whatever, four days later, I'm still the same person, but I step on the field, I can't catch a pass. I can't do anything. And no skill has changed. It's the energy within me that's showing up that day. And I'm curious, you just touched on it and it was going to be one of my questions. I want to dive into it now, but for me, I've always tried to figure out ways that I can tap into that on my own. And I do a ton of self help work, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm big on putting in the work to see the benefits and the results. And I do believe that when you show up, shit happens. And I'm constantly trying to show up as my best version of myself. And to be completely frank, I've talked about it on recent episodes, I have not been showing up as my best self during this quarantine. It has 
triggered certain things in me. I don't know why, but I'm trying to figure that all out. And I'm always curious of practices that people like you who are so advanced in their field and doing this full time recommend for us to potentially, you know, for people who can't see you one-on-one or can't potentially see another healer to bring them back to that parasympathetic Mm -hmm. stage, I guess. Um, and release themselves from that fight or flight. Because for me, that has caused basically all of my digestive health issues have come from that, like holding on. And I actually can see it because I grip my fists a lot when I'm anxious, just in conversation or walking around. So I know that I'm tightening and I'm holding on to energy. And I'm curious what you would recommend for people to try practices on themselves to maybe reach a sense of the state that you're helping people get into on a table. Um, that's a great question. I'll answer it in two parts. One, um, I created a free uh, course that people can download. Um, they can get access to on my Instagram uh, in the link in my bio or which is I'll link at, it on this episode yeah, too. at Dr. John Amaral. Also on my website, johnamaral.com. And it's just you to sign up uh, email name and then it's a it's a free, um, it'll, you'll have access to it for 10 days, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mini course that has exercises and processes that, that, and guided, you know, processes and the explanation of what you're going to do and everything. And it'll take you through a, a whole, um, what I call the fight or flight to flow challenge. So it's like a seven that. day challenge. And so anyone can do that. It's, it's, there's no cost and there's no obligation or anything. So that is one. So rather than, you know, you know, just take one, you know, like 10, 15 minutes and just describe mm-hmm. like even one thing I can, I can just give people instant access to that. Perfect. So that's one thing. The second part is we, we do know most people do know what to do. It's then it's a question or are you doing it? So we know that meditation, some kind of meditation yes. on a daily basis is so powerful and it's I'm proven on meditation. thousands of years of, 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 you know, teachings and, and scientific, you know, validation that just some kind of like, even if it's 10 minutes, you know, just, just you, there's tons of apps, you know, out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can even just set a timer on your phone and just, you know, you can do, you can do, there's just, I won't even get into all the names. There's just so many so different many things. options. Like, yeah. like, so many options. I talk like about it a lot on here. Yeah. So meditation. So another is we know, we know some kind of physical uh, movement or exercise, um, like whether, if you don't like to exercise, then some kind of dance, uh, like mm-hmm. uh, uh, my friend Julianne Huff um, it, it created something called Kinergy that was based on some of the like many of the principles that I'm working with she integrated into into her her work so you're using breathing and movement and different patterns so that's super fun and people can do that so I think K-I-N-R-G-Y at Kinergy so she's doing a bunch of lives and stuff during this mm-hmm. time so dance or movement exercise some kind of workout where you're getting your heart rate up and you're moving your body hydration, right? We know we got to, we have to, like your body is technically considered a liquid crystal, meaning it kind of functions in a lot of similar ways um, to a LCD screen where you would like touch the screen and it would start to um, ripple out. Well, the, the fascial tissue, the fascia in the body, it, it like literally light and energy moves through the fascia network. And, and we, think through the research of people like James Oshman and some others that, um, that the fascia actually is where the meridians, but say you run through in Chinese medicine. So like acupuncture meridians and stuff. Yeah. So we know that like 
hydration though has because the body is also electro electrical it has it has you know an, a, a very um critical tie into hydration so like keeping hydrated not only just uh, helps us have energy and helps our immune system and helps our it helps every function it helps energy move more effectively so we know to hydrate uh, we know food obviously you know this is a, a big topic you know here it's like what you put into your body the 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 eating you know eating the the colors eating eating like yep. in in season foods eating organic foods eating locally grown sourced things um you know and just putting like high high energy food sources into our body um, that are have more, especially more vital life force. So like fruits and vegetables and things that actually have like a certain vibration. You can feel it when you go into the store to shop, you can feel whether something's been sitting there a little bit too long or whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. like really fresh. And so it's like, if something's really, really, really fresh and vital and, you know, it's like, and it attracts you, you know, grab it. Um, so we, we, we know those things. So it's then, are you, are you doing it? Are, are, are you, are you really practicing those basic fundamentals? Because they, it makes a massive difference. We know what to do, but then we get sidetracked because we get overwhelmed. We're emotionally upset. And then it's we're just like, easy or it takes no. time. And like, we're so busy. Totally. And, and it just, <laughs> and then we're just upset, you know, we're just like, we're just yeah. upset today. It feels it's just a hard day. And then you're just reaching in and just like munching on, I just want a snack, you know, I think everybody, there were so many memes and stuff about this at the beginning of this whole, like stay at home yes. thing was like, everyone was just like, I'm so hungry. I'm just like, I've eaten all my rations, you know, in yeah. the first like five days, but just because we're emotional and, and that's where like the seven day challenge content will really help people because I help you connect into what I call the first thing is called, I call the paradox of change. And it's the paradox is that, when we're feeling or experiencing something that's hard to be with, we want to check out. We want to not, not feel it. We want to change it. But the way that it can really instantly change is by fully bringing awareness to feeling the energy of it, feeling the emotion of it, accepting that that's where I'm at in this moment. And then m- moving through it really rapidly because you felt it, not because you tried to just change your state and feel something different that was yep. quote unquote better. So that, that practice, I think, helps us also very much do the things we know are good for us by allowing ourselves to have the expression of the tantrum we want to have or the, or the just overwhelm we feel or the anxiousness and let it move through us and then recalibrate and reset ourselves and go, okay, now I can have that experience. I can, I can, I can forgive myself in a way for just being so, um, feeling so helpless right now and just allowing myself to be like, I feel so helpless. It feels like it's so hard. It feels like overwhelming. I can't yeah. do this. And then just be like, ah, and then you're like, Oh, oh I feel better. Okay. I can actually, I can, I think I'll go out for a walk. Right. It, it, it's the, it's the ability to just be where you are and process that and allow yourself to be where you are, which allows you to be somewhere else without effort. And I think that is a key for, for all healing, it is the key, really. Like, if you can't be with where you are, then you are not going to get to where you think you want to be mm-hmm. by avoiding the thing that you, you know, that you so don't want to feel. You're not going to get stuck there. Don't worry. It's just, just like you've got to just learn. Like, there are tools that, again, the fight or flight to flow challenge is like I guide people through processes to help them put their hands on their body, breathe, make sounds, like do affirmation or kind of declarations mm-hmm. and do things that 
help you associate with different parts of your body where you've stored energy and let it go. And I think to, to the point that you just made, for me, oftentimes I go down these anxious spirals where I'm thinking one thing and then it's going to lead to another. And it's just like all of a sudden I have no job, no relationships. Like that's where my mind is going. And the even just release of saying these things out loud has been so helpful for me. And I don't know if you watched This Is Us, but Randall and I can't remember his wife's name right now. They do this thing where they're like worst case scenario on three go. And they just say it like this is my biggest fear of what could result from this situation. And the mm-hmm. second I physically release those words, A, I realize how absurd they sound and how unrealistic it's actually of it happening. But B, there is something of just having the thoughts stuck in like the prison of your own brain. And once you're releasing them into the world, there's ease in that space and there's ability to move forward and move in that right direction. Absolutely. And, and even, to, you know, um, beautifully articulated and, and even the fact that those thoughts are not even really in our head. They are a collective field of consciousness that we're like an antenna that we're tuning into. Mm-hmm. They're not really our thoughts. They're the thoughts of, of all of humanity. Right. And we're our either. Ego. Yeah. And, and the ego is not, you know, and, and our identity is, is, is tied into like our conditioning and culture. And it's so far beyond um, just the individual because we're part of this ecosystem where everything is connected and our, just the way we process of Bruce Lipton, who, who wrote The Biology of Belief and a number of other books. And he was actually my biology teacher in a chiropractic college before he became internationally known. Um, you know, he talked about that he, his, his discovery when he realized that, and this is, ties into the work of a woman named Candace Pert, who wrote The Molecules of Emotion. Um, he, they both discovered that the receptor sites on the outside of the cell bind these proteins, these neuropeptides that create, initiate different emotional experiences and responses and that that information is not coming from inside the cell it's not like our dna is just just Mm -hmm. like expressing emotional information it's epigenetic meaning the environment around us is encoding and influencing and affect influencing and affecting us and once we realize that we are not um our thoughts and our beliefs and our feelings that we have that we think are so like locked into our little body here are not really our, just our thoughts. They are part of information. I'm yeah. holding a second because the internet was okay. Um, they are part of a, a field of energy and information that's all around us that we're tuning into and the, and the, and the patterns that are going on in our body. I talked about earlier when we go into fight or flight, the body reacts the spinal cord tenses up, the resonance of the body changes. Well, those frequency changes that happen when the body's in a stress mode, it's like taking a, uh, the old rabbit ear antenna. I don't know if a lot of people won't even remember these, but you used to have to like have this antenna sitting on top of your big television and you would like move the antenna around to change the uh, frequency that you could t- tune into. And in a way, the body is like that. It's like an, when we change the 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 posturing and positioning of the, and yeah. the tension inside the body, it literally changes which frequencies we can tune into that are already existent in the universe, kind of like radio waves. When you change the dials, change and tune into a different station, all the information is there. It's just which one are you tuned into? I see that as, 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 as by these practices and taking care of our body and taking care of, you know, really doing that inner work, we, we are able to 
stay connected into or tuned into a frequency that's always there, always available. Mm-hmm. We just have access to it because we're in resonance with that. Absolutely. And you're very good at providing, obviously, this is your work, but you're very good at providing these analogies that make it easier and digestible for people to understand, which I so appreciate. And I know everyone listening will. Um, And I know we touched briefly on food, but to close, I always ask what your three ways to your heart are through food. So it can be as specific or generic as you want. Mm -hmm. I love like the variety of answers I get. Um, but really just the, the ways that food hits you in that place that makes you feel happy, I guess. Mm. I mean, I, I feel that food is, um, infused very much with the energy of the person mm-hmm. who's preparing it, uh, or the lo- location it was sourced for, how it was handled. Um, and, and for me, food, um, number one is, is, um, it's, it's like ingesting love, you know, you know, when, when you, it, so, so, so bless, blessing the, you know, just even saying a blessing, we know changes the, the molecular structure in some way that was like from the work of Dr. Emoto, um, uh, who worked on, you know, looking at water molecules. And when you would like say a blessing, um, or you say, I hate you to the, to the water, it would change the structure. Right. So, so food and, and just, uh, like receiving the, the life force, and the energy mm-hmm. and the and the love that got, has gone into the food, experiencing food as the magic that it is of that what had to come together for all those pieces for that to be able to come into your body and in your body to take that and actually organize that into a new body, um, who sourced it, where it came from, um, who prepared it, like just blessing that it's just mad like nothing is separate, everything is interconnected, and for for that food that you're putting into your body to be. Um, really in the entire cosmos in a way all organized into that one, whatever it is. Um, yeah. it's, it's just the biggest gift and the biggest magic. So I think like re- remembering that and recognizing that when we're eating something, um, just feel and allow yourself to feel the, the, um, energy and the consciousness in this food. And if you mm-hmm. don't, if it doesn't feel good to you, if it doesn't feel right to you, then stop, you know, if it doesn't sit right energetically, just don't eat it. And uh, that, that if you want to change your diet and really get in sync with what your body really wants and needs, um, use that knowing of like, and just feel resonant with me or just feel off. Does this feel flat or dead Um, or just energize me and enliven me and just feel good and feel loving as I, as I ingest it, then do more of that. Yes, I totally agree. And I actually notice a massive difference when I'm eating a meal, you can tell how it was prepared. You can tell the ingredients. You, I, and I know it takes some maybe self-work to get to a place of recognizing that. We all have it. It's just whether you want to turn that voice on. And there's just such a difference now in my eating habits solely based on that. So thank you so much. This was so much fun learning more. I think this will be really helpful for everyone. I'm going to include all of the information that you gave us um, in the show notes. So nobody worry. It's all there, including the Goop Lab episode, your Instagram, your website. Um, But thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. Cameron, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure talking with you for sure. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. 
please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there, at Freckled Foodie. 